HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by charlottesgotalot.com. The Queen City is a food lover's paradise and hosts to hundreds of incredible events throughout the year, including the International Symposium on Bread. Plan your trip at charlottesgotalot.com. This is Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I've been a part of the HRN community for 10 years. After all that time, I'm constantly inspired by the incredible voices of our network. Each week, I record my show in the HRN studio because I'm excited to bring you, our listeners, the most important stories from the world of beer, food, cider, and more. All of us here at HRN make food radio because we love it. This year, HRN is celebrating its 10th anniversary, but we need your support to keep food radio going strong for the next decade. Join the HRN community today by becoming a member. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate right now. You can even show some love from my show by selecting beer sessions in the designation drop-down menu. Thanks for listening to HRN. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, I'm Jimmy Carboni, I'm the host here, and it's July 30th, 2019. I can't believe the summer's almost over, but we're cooking it, and we've got some great beers in the house with us today. So uh, our guests, we're going to go around the room. We have Torch and Crown, which is making a name for itself in the Bronx, and soon to open with a tasting brew pub in Manhattan. Hey, I'm uh, Keith Sansone, I run sales over at Torch and Crown. Great. And one of the owners, uh, John, will be joining us shortly. And another guest from up in Poughkeepsie, New York. I'm Cortland Tauslowski. I'm the owner and head brewer of Kings Court Brewing Company. So you guys, this is a lot of times we we do a show based on who's in the room. And, um, you know, this is a pretty great group. Great group. So why don't you guys tell us your backstories about how you got in beer. Keith, I knew you as as a beer rep. Uh, You've been reaching out for a while about, about getting on the show. So... Yeah, about a few years back, I was on on a uh, on a sales rep episode you did uh, a couple of years ago, and I remember before I was in beer industry, I uh, I listened to you, so I was very excited about that. Now it's kind of come full circle. Um, I got into beer sales a few years ago on the distribution side, and uh, had the ultimate goal of joining a small craft brewery so I can really take ownership of what's going on and help. Um, spread tasty beer throughout uh, throughout the city here. Mm, that's great. And we're going to be drinking some Torch and Crown all night. And um, 
Corlin, so you're the surprise guest. It's it's great to have you on. Tell us your backstory. Uh, I mean, I've been brewing beer for a long time. I started in high school with my dad, so it's kind of been this long 20-year process. Uh, professionally, it's been about eight years now. You know, started on the bottling line at Drake's. Uh, from there, became the head brewer at EJ Fair. Then I built Bear Bottle Brewing Company in this San out Francisco. In California, yeah. Yep, opened in San Francisco. At Drake's in between, I did the Master Brewers program at UC Davis. And, uh, you know, after you build the brewery and you're working for somebody, you know, you talk to your wife. And I think the logical next step is to open your own place. And, um, you know, coming back home, back east, it's definitely a little bit more affordable. So here we are. Wow, so east coast is more affordable than, than San Diego? I mean, growing up in Connecticut, my wife grew up in Brooklyn, and, you know, we were actually in Oakland and San Francisco, so, you know, like, tomato, tomato. I think uh, upstate New York is certainly more affordable. Uh, the Bay Area is certainly comparable to the city here. Yeah. yeah, living in Manhattan, I beg to differ, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so what do you guys have going on? How did you guys meet? So, Torch and Crown and, and uh, King's Court. So I know, uh, but this 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 beer world it's, it makes a lot of good friends. It's very close knit. Um, I know. So I actually met John and Joe. Uh, it was probably a year and a half, two years ago. I was uh, I was helping out. Uh, should I even say it? Uh, lineup Brewing Company. I was yeah, helping sure. brew their beers, and I think uh, Beer Yance was the last beer we did that everyone on the show may know. Um, but I met them. I thought they that were was really a, that was a nice pills. Thank you. I met them. I thought they were really cool guys. You know, they told me what they were doing. Um, it was taking longer than they expected to open the place in Manhattan. They told me they bid on the brewery to buy it up there in the Bronx. And then as soon as they did, you know, I came, I saw it. I was like, wow, this is really big. This is cool. And then, you know, things just got going from there. We kept in touch. And now hopefully they're going to be helping me out with some distribution in the city here. So Torch and Crown. So it, it was an existing space in the Bronx. Yeah. And but it's kind of a whole new brewery, isn't it? I mean, the goal the goal initially was and has always been to have a production facility in Manhattan, and that's what we're working on at the moment. Um, when the old Chelsea Craft um, spot up in the Bronx went under, um, we put in a bid and ended up winning that uh, bankruptcy auction. So um, our business model kind of took on a life of its own, and it's become very heavily focused on contract brewing for uh, a number of partners that. We basically have our tanks constantly full um, up there, all the while still building the Manhattan production facility down there. And then when that opens, we'll shift a significant portion of our production of our brand down to Manhattan. And that'll be our tap room where you can come visit. And then we'll keep the Bronx production. So that's exciting. For me, that's a part of Manhattan that I know well. So tell us exactly where the Manhattan location is going to be. The address is 12 Van Dam Street, and it used to be the old Van Dam Diner. Um, so that's been defunct for a number of years This now. is like where Soho meets Tribeca. More or less, yeah. Over it's, by uh, the Holland Tunnel, yep, west right side there, of Manhattan. Right off the Spring Street C&E stop. So uh, you actually get right off the And your spot, you, it was the Van Damme Diner. If you know, uh, there's an actor friend of mine, Maximilian Martini. He's been on some crazy action shows back in the 90s. He was good friends with the, the son of the Van Damme Diner owner. So uh, I know I spent a lot of time there. Yeah, it's, it's great a, location. It's a, it's a cool spot. It's uh, it's definitely pretty big, and you know, people ask us a lot, why would we pick Soho? Because it's certainly not a the most affordable option in Manhattan. But you know, frankly, manufacturing what's, what's affordable zones, in Manhattan? <laughs> uh, manufacturing zones are limited, so it ended up working out. And we actually had, it's a three floor space, and uh, 
that's what kind of helps make it viable. Um, the tap room is going to be on the top floor, and then we'll use the sublevels for production um, and cellaring. So it should be, you know, very manageable with the amount of space that we have while keeping it, you know, open for guests to come in and, and hang out. So, so you've been making some beers for your own label, Torch and Crown, yes. as well as contracting. So the plan when when you open the Manhattan location. What are some of the the beers you're going to make first? Are you going to have flagships, or are you going to just be making small batch beers? So we, we more or less have three flagships at the moment, and that's actually what I just poured for us here. Um, we have two IPAs and a, and a lager, which our plan is to produce year-round. We're most likely going to introduce some more of that lineup or adjust where we need to. But for the time being, since we basically launched our brand at the beginning of the year, we have um, the Intersect IPA, which we're drinking now. It's a 5.1 session, and it's a rotating hop series. So every can has a new color and two new hops um, just to play around with whatever's popular, whatever's fun, whatever we have lying around at the brewery. We, uh, we can play around with how the hops interact with each other. Um, and then we have Almost Famous, which is a New England 6.6% IPA. Citra Mosaic, a little bit of Chinook in there uh, for good measure. Nice and hazy, nice and juicy. And we'll, we'll, we'll taste the other ones. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a good start. That, I think you know, IPAs, and I, I'm looking forward to what you guys do when you're opening Manhattan. And it's, it's soon, right? In September, you might be We're open. looking at September, realistically. Um, who knows what's going to happen with the, the permitting in this city. They're already making our lives a nightmare. But you know, realistically, this fall, aiming for September, is definitely a realistic date. Let's, so. let's toast to that because Cheers. Manhattan needs... Uh, Good brewery. Yeah. So, Cortland, you, your backstory. So, Drake's, let's talk about Drake's Brewery. Tell us where it is in California, because I know quite a few brewers that cut their teeth there over many years now. A lot, a lot of brewers cut their teeth there and then go on to open their own place. So, for me, it was a really good breeding grounds, you know. A, where, where is it? Uh, it's in San Leandro, um, but, you know, Drake's That's like, owns, is that Bay Area? Yeah. Yeah. It's in the Bay Area. It's just south of Oakland. But in Oakland, they also have the dealership. The same owners also own uh, Triple Rock. They also own Jupiter. So there's like a lot. There's a lot of people in the Drake's community, and now they're opening a new brewery, I think, in Sacramento right now. So what, one guest we had on many years ago. So there's there's a spot there called Faction Brewing yep. in Alameda. Roger had come on the show many years ago. Apparently, he had come and bought the original Captain Lawrence brew system. Came here to New York and was going to drive it back out. Tell me about Faction Brewing and did did you have a connection? Through Drake's with with him? So when I started at Drake's, Roger was the head brewer of Triple Rock, which, again, is the same owner. So Triple Rock is a smaller system. He got to play for a lot of years. And then, you know, he does a million IPAs. You go to Faction, he's probably got 20 IPAs on tap, and then he's got two other beers, a dark and a light. Um, but it's a beautiful location. He certainly knows how to make great beer, and he's been doing it for a long time. If so. anybody's out west, one beer I do want to try is Faction, so... Can send it here to Roberta's Pizza in, and, in Brooklyn, and, and they're mainly clear IPAs, which is nice as well. So, so you got you you, you you're a solid brewer, <laughs> throwing man. Some shade, <laughs> throwing you know, some shade. It, it's pretty cool that you are a solid brewer with this great great background. You went to UC Davis too. I mean, how do you how important do you think it is to have like a, a real solid? I mean, what is, what was in your education? You got science. You've got. Yeah, I mean, I mean, luckily for me, I was an environmental science major in college, so I had a lot of the science backgrounds. Um, you know, being environmental studies, because it was a liberal arts program at Skidmore, like, it was environmental chemistry, environmental biology. So I actually, when I went to apply to the Master Brewers program, they wouldn't accept it. 
So I had to go back to community college in Berkeley and I had to retake OCHEM and inorganic chem. And that actually helped me a lot. Um, I really enjoyed it, you know, relearning things at a later point of life. And then going back to the UC Davis program, I'd already been working at Drake's for about a year and a half. So I had that like, okay, I'm dragging hoses around, you know, I'm wet. This is hard. My back hurts. And then to go and like learn the like book smarts and then apply it to real world practice. I think that's what helped me. Just going in the classroom, I think you lo- you lose something or you, you haven't gained something yet. But to be able to apply the two together, I think, was really beneficial for me. What, what are a couple of things? Like you, you can ask, you can stump Keith, um, not me, because I, I won't know it. What are two things that, that you learned at uh, UC Davis that you think every brewer should know? It can be a technical question or a science question. Yeah, I took organic chemistry for one semester <laughs> in college. So look out. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. I don't like this. <laughs> um, two things. Um, Start with one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you learn everything. Let's be real. You learn from like you know a barley seed to all of the layers of the kernel. When there are like five, uh, all the way through germination, malting. Kilning. I mean, you literally learn anything. So to say one thing, I think is so, a little... Okay, what about... Give me some science background. Clean, clear versus hazy beer. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's much science to that. I think it's just a lot of protein. Um, you know, and, and certain people in the Bay Area, they just dry hop the hell out of their beers to put all the haze in. And most people, you know, they use these higher protein malts in there. Um, be it wheat or oats or even unmalted wheat. I mean, some people have been using flour, which is the same thing as wheat, but, you know, um, science. That's good. And what, what, what about science. technology? So at UC Davis, are you working on, like, interesting state-of-the-art technology, um, or is that something you, you encounter more through your work? I think I encountered it more through my work. It's, it's certainly, you know, the classroom is above the brewery, um, and, you know, we definitely, like, took apart a heat exchanger. Um, you know, there was, like, a, a pilot brew system that you could brew on. But I was still I was still brewing at Drake's on the weekends. So I was still working. So I would go to class during the week. And then, you know, on Saturday, I would go into Drake's and brew on my own. Um, so learning about how a centrifuge ran, learning about how a DME filter ran properly, you know, those were important because I was doing those in practice at Drake's at the time. So to learn about it and then try and like use that knowledge to make the DME filter run properly so you don't clog it or you get, you know, higher flow through, that was that was important for me. And uh, near you, so in New Hyde Park, uh, there's the Culinary Institute of America. We yep. know Hutch. Yep. Hutch is up there with a CIA brewery. Yep. I mean, how does that program differ? So those are culinary students getting the, the chance to brew. Do, do you know what their... their course of study is compared to what you studied um i've definitely i've i've been to cia a couple times and i know hutch certainly um what they study versus what i studied i really don't know the difference honestly um i certainly see the students in there looking through a microscope and cell counting which i think is great um but i can't speak too much to all right john's here john What's his last name? John D. Dantzler. John Dantzler's here from uh, Torsion Crown, so we'll get to that. Uh, Keith, before John comes in, quick backstory. Tell us about John, because oh, you're God. working for him. 
John's the Before one that makes he makes everything work. He makes everyone work in the brewery. So he's the uh, he's the business mind behind uh, behind this whole scheme we're putting together. So he's the one that makes sure uh, to put a foot in our ass if we're not making things happen. So great, John. We gave you an intro, man. You got we're talking about King's Court and uh, Portland's background. And uh, welcome to the show, man. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming on, John. Just talking to the mic here. So. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for rushing over. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, sorry I'm late, guys. You know, running running a brewery. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's that seems to be the the word today is is busy. People say that you're busy when you're running a brewery. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I kind of thought it would be like like in Family Guy. You know, you just sit there and drink beer all day. But it turns out there's actually work to do. No, I still do that though. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys all know each other pretty well, but yeah, we do. Um, so t- t- tell me, going back, so you had wanted to open a brewery. The Chelsea Craft in, in Bronx was was closing. Just tell us how, how you got that space, and it's a great story. I mean, you guys really have come on the scene. You you're a difference maker. You're like the next. To me, you're the next step up in in craft breweries in New York. Yeah, well, at least at least pushing the geographical footprint a little bit. But um, I mean, the the brief story: Joe and I uh, actually grew up right in the area. We got our fake IDs taken at a at a bar in the East Village when we were 16 years old, and um, so very next day we could no longer buy beer. Figured we'd make it. Went out, bought a little Mister Beer kit. Um, the uh, first time we used it, exploded it all over my mom's kitchen stove, and we both got grounded. Um, and even and now worse you're, than that, now you're 18. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are kids. Yeah, don't don't let the hairline fool you. Um, but even even worse than that, you know, the beer was terrible. And Joe Joe being it was always pretty um, you know pretty scientifically inclined, and us both being athletes, we were pretty competitive people. We had found something making beer that that we loved that uh, we weren't very good at, and we weren't going to let that continue. So um, got involved. We were living out in Jersey. Um, in the, like the kind of local New Jersey, New York home brewing scene, um, even back as 16 year olds, people kind of you know turned a blind eye to that fact. Um, and so by the time we were 18, we were making some pretty decent stuff. Not you know nothing to nothing to really brag about among professional brewers here, but you know enough that um, we thought we thought there was there was a future there. And so when by the you know by the time we were 18, we decided to um, to, to open to open our own brewery together one day. And I think, you know, we, we've definitely done a lot of things wrong, but one of, the, one of the best things we did was have the foresight to understand that neither of us, um, you know, had the, had the background or had the understanding to, to pursue it then. And we would rather wait for the market to develop and wait for our own sort of, you know, d- to develop our own skill sets, frankly. And so Joe studied chemistry. He was... Uh, working at a distillery in Boston, moved out to Oregon, was brewing at Rogue, and most recently was down in Jersey at Kane, kind of running the show there, um, at least on the, the, the recipe side. Um, and I was, I was working in finance, so kind of getting, um, you know, getting, getting the other side of things. Um, and so that was when, in 2017, we both kind of decided that was the time. We, uh, we quit our jobs. We raised some, um, raised some money to go out and start a brewery. And then... Uh, looked around Manhattan, and turns out Manhattan real estate is, is you know not the not the easiest scene to uh, to navigate. So um, we were looking for a space in Manhattan. We kind of always our vision was always bringing bringing beer kind of right to right to the heart of the action. Um, and uh, 
you know, it took us a while. We, we had kind of our own trials and tribulations. We looked at about 150 different places. Uh, we got sued out of a building. We um, had a few leases kind of ready to sign that ended up falling apart um, because of, of um, engineering and structural diligence. Um, and then, yeah, in the meantime, this, this uh, facility up in the Bronx kind of, you know, we were hearing rumblings that it was going to come available. Um, and this was in many ways a kind of big departure from our initial vision. Um, you know, we're looking at kind of a, a tiny space right in the heart of things. And now instead we're going to get this massive warehouse in, you know, a much more industrial area um, in the outer it's like boroughs. like S- South Bronx, right? Uh, yeah, it's kind of, um, I guess, a little bit north of, of South Bronx. It's, it's in the Tremont neighborhood. Um, so just south of the, like, Arthur Ave, Little Italy section. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we went and looked at the facility. Can we call um, that your upstate location? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Torch upstate. Upstate. I like it. Um, it's on the mainland. Cortland's looking down. Right. like, what? The rest of New York City's islands. Long Island is Brooklyn and Queens. Staten Island's yeah. an island. Manhattan's an island. Bronx is yeah, the only part that's... Basically, anything uh, above, like, Midtown is upstate to, to me. <laughs> I, you know, before this, I rarely went above 14th Street. Um, but, yeah, you know, that... So we, we sort of... We looked at all of this, um, this facility. Obviously, um, you know, there was, there was a lot of... Um, a lot of beauty to it in terms of how the brewery had actually been been made. There was certainly a lot that we would have built differently, we'll say. Um, and Joe and I kind of, you know, really, really took the time. It's funny, the, the, the court-appointed guy who was running the, the asset sale, I think, was going to strangle us if we didn't end up being the buyers because we had uh, annoyed him so much poking around and, you know, climbing up to the roof to look at the glycol units and, you know, all, all of that. Um, but we arrived at, at um, a vision for this space that uh, we thought could do something really awesome within New York City, which was, um, you know, to, to serve as a contract brewer for breweries throughout New York, throughout, um, you know, kind of a localized version. So we, we started we started contract brewing right from the start. Literally the first day we um, the first day we took the place over. We are figuring the system out while brewing a Kelso Mosaic IPA um, and took on some more clients um, that, you know, we kind of partner alongside to, to brew their product, Alewife, Foreign Objects, um, some of the, the smaller New York City brands that, um, you know, we're able to, to give a little bit more of a distribution reach, Big Alice being one, um, and kind of, you know, other breweries that are all, you know, that are known for quality, that are known for sort of, I guess, they're having, having similar values um, from us, w- or similar values to ours from, from the product side. And so you're, you're, um, you're maybe you're, are a little outside of the people city. People know that you're making beer one. there the, uh, for other breweries. Yeah. And it's yeah. common. So people, some people, do other people make beer with you and not say that they're making it there? I mean, how does that actually work? Um, I mean, I think most, um, I think most of our, our partners are pretty... Um, you know, are are pretty happy to talk about the partnership, about the you know, about kind of how. Well, you're how making we some really good together. beer. I know, like Talia yeah. reached out to me, and and they say what on, Keith you said on the can, they actually say they make it. 
Yeah, everyone has like a different Crown. opinion on the, the contract brewing. So some of our partners will just say brewed by their own company in the Bronx, and others will say brewed by Torch and Crown. Like, yeah, either way. But some, okay. but are, so are they technically that. brewing there, or your your team's brewing it for them? Well, it's our team, you know, turning the valves. But the recipe design comes from our partners, and we, you know, are very are very clear to. Um, you know, to have our, our partners drive that process. So it's not like, hey, you know, make me a pale ale. I'll, this is I'll why be up next I, Thursday. I think you guys up, are you know? the new wave because to me, this makes makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, how did you figure that out in the beginning? Because um, you bought a brewery and. Well, how, how is this? How did this happen? So the, I mean, it was a pretty simple kind of, uh, pretty simple and pretty linear thought process, which was. All right, we're going to go from zero barrels capacity to 12,000 barrels capacity overnight. Simple. Um, <laughs> you like that, pretty, Corlin? Pretty simple. <laughs> so, you know, how, how, how are we going to best utilize those? And we knew, uh, all right, we're Torch and Crown. We don't, we don't really have a brand, a product, a space, anything until, until that day. We weren't going to get out there and sell 12,000 barrels of our own. Um, and so, you know, how... Essentially, the the question to us was: Here's this this facility with, um, you know, with incredible potential. How do we how do we best use that? And so this was kind of the the model that that we settled on. So who was doing that? Was you and Joe got people to like? I know you mentioned Kelso. I remember seeing you a year and a half ago at New York City uh, Brewers Guild meetings. Yeah. So you just put yourself out there and yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was you know Joe and I have been um, have been kind of. Trying to um, trying to build these relationships, really. I mean, for for years, way, well before this happened. And so I think, you know, I think it, it's the the reputation and kind of you know talent base that that Joe has built up first and foremost that um, that enabled people to feel comfortable coming. Because I mean, you know, the stigma around contract brewing is. Um, is that it's it's just this completely you know you're you're taking the soul out of craft beer right it's like here's this here's this process that you are you know that you put your heart and soul into in your own facility and then you're just going to get some industrial batch made somewhere you know just like they make hostess muffins or whatever um, and so you know I think the um, the most important um, most important side to, for us and again like you know we we try to attract the brands that aren't uh, that aren't just brands. People try to attract the partners that you know that have um, that 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 really care about um, about about the product. Frankly, that way more than way more than just just sort of the label. Um, and so you know, making those calls, it it was down to our own network, and it was in kind of you know we knew that anyone anyone who was looking for who was looking for contract space. Um, or who was looking for excess capacity and kind of in whatever form could talk to Joe and could talk through um, our process and how we run our team, how we run kind of, um, you know, the, our actual our actual machinery and feel good about it in that, like, these are guys who care about what they're making as much as as much as we do. Um, so, so I was in the contract brewing world for a while at EJ Fair. Um, you know, I started there, and I think we were doing like twelve hundred barrels a year. And I left after fourteen months, and we were doing five thousand barrels a year. And it was all mainly contract. And I will say that if you're a good brewer, it's not hard to find people that want to brew with you. So to look at their facility now and see how many new tanks are coming in, clearly they're making good beer. 
and people want to want them to brew the beer for them. Are, are you so, so? We had talked with uh, Cortland earlier about Poughkeepsie and, and Kings Court. Tell us about how how you found that location and and you opened there. Because I, I mean, there's so much going on in the Hudson Valley, and this is this is a great show today because we have we have like New York City and we have Poughkeepsie, and you guys if are working upstate together. and then up upstate. Yeah, I'm, I'm up <laughs> upstate. Yeah. Um, so we knew we were going to leave California. We knew we were going to leave the Bay Area. You know, we sold our home. It was sold. I had been coming out here talking with Katarina at lineup. Do I want to partner with him with her? And I was for a little bit. And then at some point, it was just like, you know what, like. The city's crazy. Like, I'm delivering kegs in my Toyota Camry. It's the winter. Going down those steps, like, into the basement underground. I was like, this yep. isn't for me. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I have that moment every week doing deliveries. I'm like, am I going to fall down and, like, I'm going to be in the hospital? It is what it is. Um, so Caroline and I, you know, her parents have a have a country home up near Hudson. And so we were, like, looking around Hudson uh, we were going to all the breweries in the area, just introducing ourselves. Hey, we want to open up a spot. Like, do you have any places in mind? Like, what's going on? Um, and we actually had a lease in hand in Hudson. Um, but then our friends at Plan B Brewery, they emailed us, and they were like, hey, these guys at the old Kings Court Hotel, they gutted it. It's completely brand new. They asked us if we wanted to do a second location. And they're like, we're not ready for that, but... You know, you guys mentioned you were interested, so here's these people's information. So Caroline, my wife, and I, we went to the King's Court Hotel, the old one. It's now called 40 Cannon Street. And we met with the owners, and the mayor of Poughkeepsie's there, and Dutchess County Tourism's there. And, like, everyone's there in that room. And I'm, like, I'm in ripped jeans and a T-shirt. <laughs> and I'm just, like, and we're with our one-year-old daughter at the time. And we're, like, what the heck is going on? Like, we did not expect this. Um, but he showed me the space, you know, we all shook hands. They had the, the bear bottle website up cause that was the last brewery I built and ran and, you know, they're like talking about it. And then they showed me the space and it's just this like bombed out, burned out room with just like wood everywhere, <laughs> plaster everywhere. You know, the brick is black, you know, everything's boarded up and I'm looking at it and he tells me the price. And he, you know, the owner of the building is a licensed general contractor, licensed plumber, licensed electrician. He has some workers that can help me at his cost. And I'm just like, we can make this work. (laughs) We can make this work. So literally I left there and I think that night I emailed Jim, the owner, and I was like, I'm going to take it. Like, this is cool. Yeah, it's great. It's like two different worlds, right? You go two hours north of Poughkeepsie versus uh, Manhattan. We're going to take a short break right now. We'll be back in a minute, and we'll talk more about what Torch and Crown is going to be doing in Manhattan on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This episode is brought to you by charlottescottalot.com. The Queen City is a food lover's paradise and host to hundreds of incredible events throughout the year including the International Symposium on Bread at Johnson & Wales University. HRN went to this year's symposium to learn about the science, history, and art of bread making. Here's what visitors had to say about the symposium. I love the geeky science stuff. Great food. Love the Armenian pizza. How much I'm eating (laughs) and consuming the carbs. The most interesting thing is just the community. For me, it's the the, the science of starters. So much information. Very inspiring so far because everybody has a different outlook. I'm not technically a breadhead, but I think I'm going to be one after being here. 
So whether you're a breadhead or just a curious mind, check out HRN on tour for coverage of Charlotte's International Symposium on Bread and an insider's look into Charlotte's food scene. Don't miss our interview with Peter Reinhardt and Kristen Moore to learn more about where to eat on your next trip to Charlotte, a city on the rise. Learn more at charlottesgotalot.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, guys, it's July 30th. It's the middle of summer, and we're drinking some good beers. Keith from Torch and Crown, uh, what's the second beer we're drinking? second beer we're drinking is called Slightly Sour. Um, it's a wit um, recipe brewed with uh, lemon zest and lemons. So the, uh, <clears throat> the lemon juice there adds a little bit of acidity and tartness, making it slightly sour. Ha-ha. <laughs> Uh, but it's just really easy drinking, 4%. Uh, weed ale with a little bit of lemon to so, it. So, John and Keith, so you guys, you're in the process of kind of building your brand. So when you took over the brewery, you didn't really have a brand or sales yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, how long have you been making your, your own label beers? Uh, not very long, just since about February of this year. Um, so we uh, the, the really entire... Um, Entire, entire months, first, right? yeah, entire Keith's first using year. His fingers and count. Um, yeah, he should have worn sandals. Um, the uh, entire first year we were operating the facility was pure um, as a pure contract brewing facility, and it was really only uh, when we came a little bit closer to opening our Manhattan location uh, that we launched our our own brand, kind of in retail and in distribution. Um, you know, we wanted wanted to to build up a presence sort of specifically targeting downtown specifically targeting you know again the 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 heart of the action um and so you know that's that's kind of part and parcel with our location Keith told us earlier we know i know where it is i know the old van damme diner yeah yeah so it's like soho tribeca Uh uh-huh we Um, ripped those awnings down this week actually so how'd you find (laughs) that space and tell us a little bit about you're opening a brewery in Manhattan. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, this was, I guess, early early 2017. We set out to um, set out to do this. So we we looked at, you know, like I said, um, way too many locations. I'm probably, I would say, one of the foremost experts in um, sub cellar basements in Lower Manhattan at this point. I've uh, seen seen quite a bit, um, but you know, obviously. Finding a, a space that's right for a brewery is is difficult. Even you know taking taking the city element um, out of it, it's difficult. You know things have to be um, structurally able to hold all these heavy tanks and and um, you know have the floors sort of beat up with all the you know industrial uh, machinery. Um, utilities have to be perfect. There has to be. In, in order to send send beer, send you know receive materials, send beer out, there has to be good ways to to get in and out, to get you know pallets, forklifts, all that good stuff. Ideally, you have a loading dock, you know, kind of all all of these different things. Um, and so, no matter where you are uh, looking for a site, is usually a game of, of compromise. Is kind of you know, all right, utilities are perfect. This may need some work, or you know. Um, there's always compromise. There's always compromise. And when we were looking, I mean, it's kind of laughable looking back at, at sort of some of the conversations, uh, some of the compromises that we really considered where looking back, like, no fucking way we could have made that happen. Sorry, am I allowed to swear here? You just did. Okay. <laughs> I am now. Um, 
And, uh, you know, the, so the gentleman brewery owner. You know? <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Only gentleman. Correct. We're sophisticated around here. Um, but Van Dam, so you're going to be brewing beer there. Um, are you going to be brewing how many different styles? Like, What's the setup going to be? Yeah. So this space, this space is, you know, I, I mentioned we looked at around 150 different spaces. And this is the one um, that was as close to zero compromise as possible. Um, even down to having a loading dock, a dedicated freight elevator, um, you know, ability to move things from from the brew, the actual, you know, brew house in the basement um, out into into trucks out of the building without disturbing the tap room. Um, I mean, it's it's really it's perfect from um, from all areas and, and not to mention there our neighbors upstairs are all kind of, um, you know, new kind of techie type um, you know, startup, startup vibe type companies that, um, you know, are people that, uh, that really, um, are, have, have already demonstrated quite a bit of interest in, in our product and sort of, you know, in supporting kind of what we're trying to do. But so the actual setup, uh, we have, um, a about 3000 square foot outdoor beer garden. Um, that's that old alleyway just to, just to the left of the Van Dam diner. If you're looking at it, we're doing a bit of a, you know, a bit of a conversion there. And then um, we've partnered with the Cannibal Group, uh, the Cannibal Restaurant up on 29th Street. Christian, yeah, Christian, exactly. So he's he's um, he's joined us to kind of guide the hospitality side. Wow, um, that that's going to be exciting then. Oh yeah, this oh, is yeah. news to me. I didn't know this. So yeah, Christian, yeah. the Cannibal before they had Resto, uh, good beer seal place, yeah, great leader yeah, in food and beer. He's been a great leader in food and beer um, for you know over a decade. In the they city opened out in point. California too. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so well, this is this know, is news. To, Thank yeah, you for bringing that to the to show. To add him to the team, I mean, wow. you know, it, it, when it's you have when you have a chance to, to to add the cannibal, you know, to add his his talent, his experience, it's tough to say no. But you know, especially given that Joe and I have very little experience on the actual restaurant side, um, you know, it was it was about um, aligning with aligning with the right people and so it's torch um, and grounds on Van know. Dam. Yep, in Soho. Lower Soho area. Yep. So, how many seats? What's the space going to be like? Yeah, I mean, between um, between inside and outside. I mean, I don't uh, I don't want to give a number and then have Dob tell me. <laughs> um, but it's going to be a, around two hundred inside and probably probably equal outside. So, I mean, it's a it's a decent amount of space. Um, we're having we have uh, some of our bright tanks, uh, ten barrel bright tanks and thirty barrel fermenters, um, right on the ground floor. So you're, I mean, you're you're immersed in a brewery when you come, kind of whether you want to be or not, right? And then um, in the uh, in the basement is where the actual ten barrel brew house will go. Uh, a lot more tanks, a lot more kind of process stuff, and then that's also where um, we'll have a uh, dedicated uh, seventy five seat private event space. So. Um, Anything from corporate events to rehearsal so John, dinners to John, at this stage in, in the game, it seems that you guys, I want to talk about the new wave in, in craft breweries. It sounds like you guys have a pretty good sense of, of, of what to do. <laughs> I, um, mean, I think the day I say that is we're going to fail tomorrow. No, um, they, they definitely know what to do. <laughs> we're, uh, we're constantly learning. But I think, you know, the, the theme in kind of, you know, in what we're doing, both from the, um, from the, the production location, you know, upstate, as we've said, and um, and the, uh, the the space down in Manhattan is just trying to get ourselves as close to the people who are drinking our beer as possible. So, uh, Keith, you know, I've, I've known you f- for years selling beer and, and the beer scene. I mean, what's exciting to you about this whole Torch and Crown project? 
it's uh, there's a lot going on. It's 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 very different than any other position I had prior in in selling beer because I'm not alone in the company where I have to wear every hat that possibly exists. I'm out there lugging kegs, going into basements, risking my life, dealing with some of these hatches out there, <laughs> um, from routing deliveries to running social media. I've always hated social media but there you go if you like the instagram post you're welcome <laughs> i try not to use too many filters but what can you do um there's some good photos at yeah. torch at torch crown beer at yeah, torch crown beer. so uh you know i've been i've been able to really take ownership of so many different things in the brewery so that's been the most exciting part and um getting to be hands-on with everything is is what's neat and you know we're building something awesome here so so th- this Manhattan location is, is pretty. So for you, Cortland, you know, seeing this, it sounds like, have, have you brewed in, in the space in the Bronx with no, these guys? I, so you I, seem I really familiar with these guys. I don't brew my beer there at all. Um, all my beer is brewed up in Poughkeepsie at my brewery. Um, but I've certainly seen the space. I was there today. Um, they're going to start distributing my beer once uh, permits go through and all that. But um, I definitely come down hopefully once a week and check it out and see all the well, growth. Let's t- it sounds like there's like the Torch Crown Mastermind here. Let's talk about this. So earlier, Creed had said that there's a night shift up in Massachusetts, has a model of they're a brewery, but they also distribute. Yep. Tell me about that. And then also, um, Cortland, well, let's talk about that first. Tell me about who wants to talk about night shift, the model sure. they have. Sure. That's, that's new to me. Yeah, I mean, that's something that um, I think was born, born of necessity. Uh, just, you know, the... the the three-tier model's broken, and I think people have differing, differing opinions on how to fix it. Um, obviously, everyone has their own little angle to, to take, probably myself included, so there will be some fair, fair amount of bias here. But, um, you know, I mean, this is something that this three-tier model, and, and for those uninitiated, that means producers have to sell to distributors who then sell to retailers. Um, it's, it's something that was... Uh, it, Put in, put in place state by state uh, immediately following prohibition. And the reason for that was to so that producers couldn't own the full channel. It was kind of to, um, ironically, to er- eliminate criminal activity, although I would argue that most distributors today are as close to organized crime as Crooks. you can get. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know. And certain large producers are buying all the distributors now. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's some, there's some terrible, I mean, it, it, it's... There's bad acting going on from the um, from the distributor side of things, and it now state it's going state by state. Um, different states are modernizing their laws, saying you know what you're allowed to self distribute if you're if you're a small brewer, you don't have to um, to get locked up with one of these. So guys. what does Night so, Shift do? So basically, you know, I mean, Night Shift's whole thing was like in first as they started, they were so we looking know, we for know, we know the beers in yeah, Massachusetts. They were looking for distribution and. Any distributor, I think they, were, they weren't happy with any of the distributors, but if they were to sign on to even have them deliver one keg, they were locked in, you know, there's this thing called franchise law where you're locked in basically until the, the distributor wants to fire you. And so what that leads to, which, you know, which is never. And so what that leads to is just distributors are incentivized to stuff their portfolios with brands that they don't care about at all. Um, and if a brand does happen to take off, awesome. They own all the upside. Um, and if it doesn't, well, whatever, they're just they're not competing against it because it's stuffed in the back of their portfolio and it's something they don't sell or give any attention to. So it's uh, the balance of power is completely in distributors hands. So Night Shift has said, you know what, we're going to distribute alongside of our own beer. We already have the trucks going out. We're already self-distributing. 
we're going to slap on some kegs from, you know, some some of our friends who are making beer of of similar quality who are, you know, kind of like minded. And we're going to say to hell with this whole franchise law thing. So if I was in Massachusetts, I could get through night shift, I could get I could get three or four different breweries with one delivery. Yeah, exactly. Same mindset. Just like any other distributor. But the key difference is that. Night Shift is saying, you know what, we're incentivized to keep you happy because if we don't, you can leave us. Whereas, it, you know, other distributors, you're locked in through this franchise law thing. You, you literally have to pay a, an amount of money that will always be greater than. So in, in know, New York, of, if, if this is a plan you guys are thinking of, yeah. how, how are you going to act it out here? Well, I mean, so New York City, brewing beer in New York City logistically is one of the craziest and, and arguably dumbest things that you can do. But one of the, the beautiful things that we have, you know, that we well, have in our you favor. Like, you here. like Poughkeepsie, don't you? <laughs> well, he's calling himself dumb is what he's doing. <laughs> we always, you know, ambitious to the point of stupidity has been has been our calling card so far. But, um, you know, one of the, the Keith, you're going to print that things, on Instagram? You might have to yeah, put yeah. it on my business card. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Trademark that. Um, one of one of the the beautiful things about the city is just the the population density, both of you know establishments like this that that will sell um, that will sell our beer as well as density of consumers, and so our idea is to take a much more localized um, version version of yeah what Night Shift's doing. I mean Night Shift's gotten massive, so I don't even want to compare myself to to them at all. But you know, with Kings Court is a perfect example. We've known Cortland really since he moved. Um, since he moved back to the East Coast, um, we've he and Joe have have you know had in-depth brewing conversations over plenty of beers. We kind of we know we're we're kind of kindred spirits in in a lot of ways from the actual production side of things. When we did take over the Bronx space, Cor- Corlin was one of the first guys we called and you know to come say, hey, how would you help us fix these problems? Um, so. You know that we have this history to then say, all right, well, Cortland—he's a small brewery up in open Poughkeepsie. It's not going to be economically viable for him to buy a truck, to hire a salesperson, to hire a distributor. You know, like to to go do all this stuff. But at the same time, he doesn't want to ally with, or maybe you know, I don't no, want to put words. I don't want to ally. <laughs> he likely, you know, may not uh, want to ally with one of these big distributors. In um, in the city, who frankly have so many brands in his portfolio that even if they do care about him, which in it, you know would be a huge step, they might end up not being a good steward of his brand. So for us, you know, that's a perfect opportunity to say, look, we got the trucks running already. We have, um, you know, we have Keith moving moving our own product. Hopefully, if we're doing things correctly, we're known for a certain you know being of a certain level of quality. So. Let's bring you alongside. So us. already now, in less than six months, you guys, how many accounts are you in, Keith? What What are some of the some places I can get Torch and Crown now? We just passed the 160 mark, which is which is exciting. 160 accounts. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I great mean, work, <laughs> guys. I mean, I make sales visits guy. while I'm making all the all the deliveries. So yeah. keep, keep me fit. I had to cancel the gym membership because it was too much at that point. Um, we're predominantly we've been growing kind of outward from the taproom space. Um, doing as much business development as I can, but just kind of growing relatively organically from Manhattan outward. I do have a lot of um, connections and people I've known um, throughout the five boroughs that anyone asks, I'm going to bring the beer. Um, But you name the craft beer bar in Manhattan, it's there. Um, And then that's increasing in the uh, Bronx, Queens, and Brooklyn 
haven't no, driven we, we, out we, to Staten Island we yet. We post but on we'll our Instagram, and you got a lot of friends in the Bronx. Yeah, Bronx Beer Hall, and then. You have one more beer. Let's tap that. And Cortland, we're going to have to wrap it up. But you said you told me about a beer you were making with, was it currants or something? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the one thing about being upstate. So Kings Court, Poughkeepsie, that's a place I want to check out, too. It's one oh, yeah. thing about being actual upstate is there's farms <laughs> everywhere. Um, and when your farmer friend just randomly shows up with, last year he showed up with like 300 pounds of peaches. This year he's like, yo, I've got 500 pounds of red currants. They're ready now. You're kind of like, okay, uh, I need to brew next week and do something with this. So, you know, it's kind of fun. You get all your local regulars together. You have a bunch of beers. Everyone's destemming these red currants. And then uh, we made a couple beers with them. So uh, we got a dark tart coming out and then uh, another in our sour series. It's and gonna r- be right a red now, where sour. can we get your beers? Just at in Poughkeepsie? Uh, so we self-distribute all over the Hudson Valley. My, my wife does all of that. And then... Uh, we just started coming down to the city two weeks ago and meeting people, you know, in an effort to launch this New York City push. Um, so the Baroness just had 10 beers on tap uh, last week. Long Island City, yeah. Uh, yeah Malton Mold spot. took a beer. And then uh, this week, Alphabet City took another great. beer as well. Well, congratulations, guys. We have to wrap it up soon. Um, last thing, what's the last beer that we have, Keith? This is uh, almost famous. This is, uh, we're to call it a flagship. This is our flagship IPA. New England, 6-6% citra mosaic. Nice and juicy. Good bitterness in the back to round it out. So, and John, anything you want to say to wrap it up? Yeah, I mean, um, almost famous. This was the first beer that we launched, so kind of making fun of ourselves a little bit on that. Um, but, you know, look out for us. I think, I think it's, it's something both from the... You know, there, there's this element of immersing ourselves right in the city, getting us, ourselves, you know, right right into the the, the sort of, um, you know, the, the heart of the action, but also bringing, you know, whether it's through our partner brewing program or through this kind of, um, you know, friendly distribution model, we'll call it, that we're going to um, try to embark on next. It's There's an element of kind of trying to bring everybody, everybody with us. Um, and so, you know, New York, um, I think, is has um you know has has a a lot uh, a lot more growth in terms of getting people uh really excited about beer getting people to to understand our process and why we're so passionate about it frankly i think um, there's a lot of growth ahead in new york yeah, a yeah. Lot. so um it's gonna be you know it's gonna be a wild a wild journey for sure but you know it's uh we just started and and well, cheers, guys. Almost famous, man. Keith, John, and Cortland, thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Big shout-out to our team, uh, producer Justin Kennedy, assistant producer Leah Pops, uh, engineer Matt Patterson. I'm Jimmy Carboni. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.